Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. Here's how the Bible reads. It says, And a man of the house of Levi went and he took a wife as the daughter of Levi. And so the woman conceived and she bore a son. When she saw that he was a beautiful child, she had hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, dabbed it with asphalt and pitch, and put the child in it, and laid it by the reeds by the river's bank. And his sisters stood afar off to know what would be done to him. And then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him, and she said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his uh, sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that I may nurse this child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. And so the woman took the child, and she nursed him. The child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, because I drew him out of the water. Now I want to look at one more verse. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 23. The hall of faith, it reads like this. It says, for by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's command. Father, we thank you for your word today. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that you would take this story, this monumental story of the scripture, make it come alive to us today in such a fresh way that we walk away from here saying, my, my, what an awesome God. Lord, I pray that today that as we see the courage of this one, Lord, that the faith of God would arise in each one of us to do what's right in every circumstance and situation. God, we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated this morning. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Are you glad to be in God's house this morning? Listen, uh, if you're just now joining in with us, I say this week after week, it's a lot of repetition, but I want to make sure that you catch the theme of what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. The first of the month, we started this series, Courageous, because I wanted to show you from Scripture how men and women of God throughout history have taken a bold stance, a courageous stance, and saw God move mightily on their behalf. And so over the last couple of weeks, here's just what this looked like. Week number one, we talked about uh, Naboth and Naboth's vineyard. And we talked about how... uh, King Ahab wanted Naboth's vineyard, and he was willing to uh, try to buy that from him or to even give him another parcel of land. But the problem was, was that this parcel of land was an inheritance that had been passed down from Naboth's family, and Naboth flat-footed stood on his ground and said, it's not for sale. We talked about over the last couple of weeks how we have to take courage in our heart to stand up and be unwilling to compromise When the enemy of our souls come and tries to tell us something, we've got to say, my inheritance is not for sale. Amen? 
the things that our fathers have passed us down from generation to generation is not for sale. And of course, in Naboth's day, it was his land, but in our day, it's our values, it's our heritage, it's our Christian convictions. When the enemy comes in today's culture and tries to compromise us and say, I'll give you something for it, we've got to turn down the shiny, be, not be willing to be pacified by the enemy's candy that he offers us, but willing to say it's not for sale. And Naboth eventually lost his life. We talked about how the early disciples were martyred because of their faith. Okay. Then last week, we talked about a man who just two verses of Scripture give him a very small insight. His name was Shammah. He was one of David's three mighty men. Out of all the men David could have picked, he picked these three men, and it records Shammah stood in his lentil patch when the Philistines came in and tried to steal his beans. And Shammah's flat-footed stood up, stationed himself in the middle of that battle, and the Bible says the Lord wrought a great victory that day. Listen, it might have just been beans to everybody else who ran and fled, but to Shama, it was something worth fighting for. Last week, we talked about there's some things that are simply worth fighting for. This morning, I want to talk to you about a woman who the Bible doesn't even mention her name in the two passages that we've read this morning. The scripture actually gives us her name in other places, but it's none other than the mother of Moses. Her name was Jochebed. And this woman was a courageous woman because her act of courage made way for Israel to give birth to the, the, to give birth to the one who would ultimately deliver them out of 400 years of Egyptian bondage. And so this morning, speaking from the subject of Jehochebed, Moses' mother, I want to preach a message to you from the title, Delivering the Deliverer. I want to talk to you about delivering the deliverer. In this particular time, what we see is we see that the children of Israel had gotten themselves into a place. Back in Genesis, the Bible prophesied that Israel would be in 400 years of Egyptian bondage. You know, Joseph was sold into slavery and the history and the heritage goes all the way back then. But the Bible says that no matter what happened to the children of Israel, God began to bless them, and they began to multiply, and they began to populate at such a rate that they began to outpace the Egyptians. And so what did Pharaoh do? This wicked Pharaoh of Egypt, he made a decree that all of the male children were to be killed. And, uh, you know, it's a terrible, tragic thing. And so we see this decree that went out through all of, of, of Egypt, and, and so it's terrible. But, I mean, you know, that sounds terrible. How many of you know that sounds terrible? But I want to bring your attention this morning, not just to the Pharaoh of the Bible, but this modern day Pharaoh that doesn't wear a crown or doesn't sit on a throne, but instead they rule through the legislation and cultural shifts of our nation. See, as Pharaoh in the time of Jacobed sought to eliminate all of the male children of the Hebrews, we see a parallel in our world today. Listen, listen, today, one of the greatest victories that you and I have seen in our generation has been the overturning of Roe versus Wade. It has been from the federal legislation that ends the legalization of 
the slaughtering of not just thousands, but millions of babies across America. Not just black babies, but white babies and Hispanic babies and Indian babies and all different nationalities that have been slaughtered in the womb. And friends, let me tell you something. We see a parallel of great of great uh, regard as we look at this situation in Egypt's time, even and in our time. See, in the, in the, the days of Pharaoh, Pharaoh, the enemy began to get nervous because the people of God began to grow to such a point that they were going to be overtaken. So he said, I want you to take all of the males and I want you to kill them. Because Pharaoh may not have understood it, but the spirits that were driving Pharaoh, which were evil spirits, demonic spirits, they understood something. They understood that anytime God wants to do something, he raises up a man from the midst of the people. Oh, you don't hear me. But in the birth of Christ, whenever Jesus came on the scene and was getting ready to bring redemption, what happened? The enemy started telling them, all the children from this age and under, you got to slaughter all of these male children. There's a pattern that we see. I have to wonder this morning if part of the curse of the blight abortion on our nation is the enemy is afraid of what could come out of the loins of this next generation. The next Billy Graham, come on, the next Billy Sunday, the next man or woman of God that can do something great in this nation. But I'm glad that people stood up and expressed, even though we still have this on a state level in some states, but I'm glad that people got up and expressed as a nation, we've got to reverse this curse upon our people. It takes courage to stand up for what's right. Jochebed had the, the courage to defy Pharaoh's decree. And so are we called to stand up against the cultural norms and decisions that threaten innocent lives. Because the Bible doesn't tell us much about this woman. But the Bible does tell us that she had great courage. See, long before Moses was the deliverer of Israel, he was just a little child. And Jochebed may not have known his purpose. And Moses, as a young child, may not have fully known his purpose. But God knew his purpose. God knew his purpose. God had predetermined from the foundations of the earth that Moses, just like he had called Jeremiah, Jeremiah ordained you to be a prophet of the nations from your mother's womb. God had set apart a plan for Moses to be the deliverer of God's people. See, there's something powerful, friend. The foreknowledge of God. Before there is ever a problem, God already has an answer. We see it all throughout history. Before God, who sees the end of the thing from the beginning, always sees further down the road than we can. And he always prepares the answer before there's ever a problem. You don't believe me? Oh, hallelujah. The New Testament records a man by the name of Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector and a thief. 
He was short. People made fun of him. So because of his problems, he extorted taxes from people because that's what he could do. And guess what? One day he came to himself and he climbed up in a tree to see Jesus. But let me tell you something. Before Zacchaeus ever needed a tree, God had already let a seed be planted in that very place. Listen, before you and I ever knew we needed a Savior, the book of Revelation says, John records, Behold, I see a lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but I'm glad God sees my problem before it's a problem and already has an answer on the way. Hallelujah. That makes me comforted this morning. That what I'm stressed about He's not that stressed about. We got to trust God. That's what the message is about this morning. It's about trusting God in the middle of injustice. Before Israel ever got in slavery, two people from the tribe of Levi got together and had a baby. And in the middle of all this, Pharaoh says, all of the males, we got to kill them and throw them into the river. Literally spilling the blood of innocent children. But in this passage, we see the mother of Moses. The faith of an no-name woman. Can I tell you something? This woman shaped Israel's history. She literally shaped Israel's history. But as I mentioned, those passages we read today, Exodus 2 and Hebrews 11, don't even mention her name. A man took a wife and the boy's mother and the child's parents. No mention of her name. But literally, her courage shaped history. Can I tell you something? Your name don't have to be in lights. You don't have to have banners flying across the screen saying who you are for you to make a difference for God. All it takes is courage and obedience. And guess what? Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, wrote about Jochebed's courage as she did what she needed to do to propel the, the deliverer of Israel into his place. When we see this, we see the divine providence of God. It's Amazing to us, because we take the Bible like this, and we can read it, and we can look back upon it, but how many of you know that's different than, than living it in the here and now? So we can look back and say, oh my goodness, that's cool, that's awesome. I can see how God was working all things together for our good because we love him and are called according to our purpose. We can see that, but those first person people simply had to walk by faith. Much like us, when we go through things in life, God doesn't show us the end of a thing. Sometimes he gives us insight. Sometimes he gives us direction. Sometimes he lets us see down the road. But oftentimes it's the small steps where God just simply says, trust me. Just trust me in this journey. 
In the background of Exodus chapter 2, it's a remarkable narrative of Jochebed, a Levite woman, and the courageous act of protecting her son Moses from Israel's cruel decree. I want you to imagine, here she's given birth to this child, and she knows everybody's watching her. The pressure that she's being subjected to, what's she going to do? It's harsh. I mean, literally, not only did she save Moses' life, but she risked her own. I want you to think about it. I want to look at some things in the Scripture this morning so we can see them together. If you're taking notes, the first thing we see, number one, is we, we see Jacobed's credentials. Within the first few verses of Exodus chapter 2, we see exactly what kind of woman this is. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 1, read it with me. Here's what it says. We're just going to read a couple of verses. It says, a man of the house of Levi went and he took a wife as a, uh, as a, uh, he took for himself a wife of the daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and she bore a son. Stop right there. That's all we need to know. That's all we need to know about the character of this woman, Jacobeb. First of all, it tells us she's a Hebrew. Okay, that's not, that's not a surprise to any of us. We know she's a Hebrew. But literally, the Bible says, now she is of the house of Levi. Now, you know there were 12 tribes. 12 tribes. And of these 12 tribes, all of them were different. You got Benjamin and Dan, and you got all these different tribes, but she's from the tribe of Levi. The tribe of Levi was the priestly tribe. That was the, 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 uh, the tribe that they knew what it meant to sacrifice to God because priests sacrifice. Now, don't miss this. What this means is that Jacobed was a God-fearing woman. She's a God-fearing woman. From the priestly line of Levi, what, what do priests do? In the Old Testament, the function of the priest was to go to God on behalf of the people with, watch this, a sacrifice. A sacrifice. What Pharaoh was asking the women to do was to sacrifice their babies to the gods of Egypt. Not something that was uncommon. In fact, if getting back to this abortion issue, if you want to go back into history and see a parallel, go study about Molech. How they would sacrifice their children, their infants. The infant infanticide of the, the killing, the slaughtering of innocent children. So here we have this parallel. We see it over and over and over again. He's asking her to engage in ungodly worship. Not just bowing down to a statue, not just paying some homage to some deity of Egypt. Not like Daniel when they heard the sound, they were to bow down and pray. No, no, no. The offering of her own flesh. 
In essence, Pharaoh was asking this woman of God to sacrifice your child as an act of worship to Egypt. But I'm so glad this morning that there was a woman who had enough character in her heart because her credentials were that of a worshiping woman, of a, of a God-fearing woman, that she would not subject herself to the decrees of Pharaoh. She had the courage to do what was right. Folks, let me tell you something this morning. When the enemy comes against us in our lives and he tries to give us a, a, a choice, you got to do this. It should be our godly character that tells us, no, we will not participate in that. We will not do that. She was a woman of great character because her credentials were that of a holy woman. But then it goes a little further. We see her courage. See, we often don't think about this. But she hid that baby for three long months. When you think about it, I don't know how she did it. We see her credentials, but let's look, let's look at her courage for a moment. We, we, we see her, right, hiding this child for three solid months. Have you ever tried to hide a baby? They cry, they coo, they stink. Hello. As a mother, her instinct was to protect her child. She could not, she could not fathom sacrificing him to Egypt. By the way, Egypt is a type of the world. When you look at types and shadows in Scripture, how many Christian parents today sacrifice their children to the world? Trade their calling for something temporal. Trade their calling for something pleasurable. Trade their calling for something that sounds a little better, looks a little better, but I'm so glad that Jehochabed said, I will not trade my child's life for a sacrifice to Egypt. She had courage. You got to understand, Pharaoh was so powerful that had, had Pharaoh found out what she was harboring, he literally could have killed her. But she didn't care. Because doing what was right was more important than her own comfort. You didn't hear what I said. I said doing what was right was more important than her own comfort. And oftentimes we only do what is right up until the point that it makes us uncomfortable. Up until the point that it makes us wrong or with people or it ruffles a little bit of feathers. But you got to understand, this woman was willing to cover her child because she understood that there was purpose, that there was life, that there was destiny. 
there came a point where she couldn't hide him anymore. So the Bible says she took asphalt and she took brush and she, she made him a little basket. She took an ark of bulrushes and she dabbed it with asphalt and pitch and she put the child in it and she laid it by the reeds by the river's bank. His sister stood by to watch to see what would happen. And on that riverbed, she watched as her child sailed away. Can I ask you a question this morning? Have you ever watched your dream sell away? Can imagine the pain, the hurt. See, us in America, we get upset when we send our kids off to college and we look through the window as they're driving off in their car and we think about, oh my goodness, you know, they were just in diapers yesterday. Now they're driving and now they're going to college and they're going to be married soon. But that, that's not what was happening with Jehoiakim. She was sending her child off into the unknown, not knowing what would happen. But we do know because of her credentials. She was a Hebrew of the tribe of Levi. She had trust in God. Folks, let me pause right here and just tell you, when things in our life don't make sense, let me take it a little further. Not only when things in life don't make sense, but when things in life don't seem fair, you got to trust God. You see, some of us would have would have walked out on God right here. But you know, we're the people of faith. And faith walks us through the mountains and through the valleys. And a lot of us can sing the song from the high place. But can we sing the song from the low place? Job said it like this: there's a God who gives us a song in the night. Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, they sung praises at midnight. We often can sing when things are going good in our lives, but what happens when everything seems to be falling apart? We see the remarkable courage of Jacobin trusting the hand of God with her child. I want you to put yourself in her situation. Could you do that? When you think about it for a moment. She's a Hebrew. We know she prayed over that child. She's a Hebrew. We know she dedicated that child to the Lord as their culture and custom was. But yet now he's floating away. And we find ourselves at an impasse. Because the scripture goes on to tell us Look at this. Go, turn over there. This is just crazy to me. Verse 4 says, And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. And then the daughter of Pharaoh, the daughter of the most important person in the known world, comes down to bathe in the river. And she sees the ark among the reeds. And she went and she saw this and she sent her maids to go get it. When they opened up the basket and saw baby Moses, he began to cry. Immediately, 
Look what the scripture says. She recognized this is one of the Hebrew children. Now, the apple usually doesn't fall far from the tree. And it is miracle number one. Okay? Let's take a miracle of progression here. Miracle number one. She didn't kill Moses. She could have killed him instantly. They were so, I don't want to get into it this morning, go and study the customs of, of, of torture that they did in Egypt. It's horrible. We see, we see that a lot even with what's going on in the Middle East right now between Israel and Hamas and Hezbollah. It's terrible. No disregard to children. And, and literally, she could have drowned him in the river right there. Nobody would have even blinked an eye. Miracle number one says she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrew children. Then Moses' sister, Miriam, said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. And so the maiden went and called, check this out, the child's mother. And then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child, and she nursed him. The providence of God. Miracle number one. Well, let me back up. I told you that was miracle number one was she hid him for three months. Miracle number two, she didn't kill him on the spot when Pharaoh's daughter found him. Miracle number three, Jochebed gets paid to nurse her own baby. How many of you ladies would have liked that? Amen. Amen. Love on them, nurse them, send them back home when they cry. Moses was a Hebrew who was being raised in the house of an Egyptian. These things don't mix. Moses was raised among royalty, but something on the inside of him was always a little bit different than everybody else. But I want you to see the providential hand of God. How awesome is this? We see Moses being raised in this way and God allowing his mother to nurse him. See, we see Jehoiakim's courage, but we also see Jehoiakim's confidence. We see her confidence in the plan of God. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Now, do you know what type of self-control it would take? To nurse your child every day and to be with your child every day and then watch him go back to somebody else. 
Some of you parents who've gone through divorces with young children and your child has to go to a step-parent's house, yeah, it doesn't feel good, does it? Doesn't feel good when they call somebody else mom or dad, does it? But Moses was doing this. I want you to imagine the confidence Jehochebed had to have in God's plan. Patience, mixed emotions. Can you imagine the wrestling match she was taking within herself saying, I wish that he was with me, but then she thinks for a moment and says, well, if he was with me, he'd probably be dead. So he's better off where he is right now. And there's this emotional tug of war in between her life. But listen, this woman right here, one act of obedience tells us that when Moses got old enough, He made a choice. He made a choice not to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but rather chose to suffer the afflictions of the righteous than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of Egypt. Now, what happened? See, God is always working. Somebody say, God is always working. God is always working this thread of redemption throughout history. We see it start in Genesis and it finishes in the book of Revelation. The whole thread of Scripture is about redemption. Israel's redemption, uh, the people of God's redemption, how Jesus came to redeem. We see redemption all throughout. But listen, God's providential plan for delivering the nation of Israel started by the simple obedience and civil disobedience of a woman named Jacobed. See, people say, we should just follow the government, whatever the government says, not when the government goes against God. Yeah, the Bible teaches us to respect authority. Yeah, the Bible says to, to, that even governmental authority is ordained by God up until the point that it defies God. And then we default to the higher power. And that's what Jacobed did. Listen, here's what I'm trying to tell you. She may not have understood what was happening in the moment, but God was working about a greater plan. As the Bible says that Moses was out tending some sheep. And the Bible says that God heard the cries of the Israelites out of Egypt because Pharaoh was so mean to them. He had hurt them so much. He was abusing them. He was driving them with harsh slave labor. Every time they would get to the point of meeting their quota, he would exceed their limits and he would push them a little bit further. They would cry out to God in bondage. And one day, God hears the cries of Israel. Moses is out tending sheep. And all of a sudden, a bush spontaneously combusts. Makes no sense. This bush is burning. 
but yet it's not consumed. And he hears a voice, Moses, Moses, come close. Kick off your shoes for the place in which you're standing is holy ground. For I've heard the cries of my people. Heard the cries of my people. You go tell them, I said to let my people go. Moses, raised in the house of an Egyptian, but a Hebrew of Hebrews. Jochebed didn't know God was going to use her son to deliver the nation. Oh, no, no, it gets better. Because we see a parallel with Mary and Jesus. At Christmas time, we sing this song, right? Mary, did you know? And we know that Mary also delivered the deliverer. She raised him right and she gave him to God. And ultimately, he saved his people from their sins. What's the point of all this this morning? Here's the point. Like Naboth was courageous, like Shama was courageous, we see this woman, Jochebed, who was willing to defy the orders of the day to save her child. But yet, in the middle of it all, had no clue that God would take her faith, her courage, her stand, and use it to deliver a people who were in bondage. You know, this, this passage this morning really transcends just men and women. It transcends all of us in this morning. You, you had to understand that you got to make a choice sometimes to stand up in the midst of injustice. You got to make a choice to stand up when the world is saying you need to do this, you need to do that. We stand up in the midst of consequences because guess what, my friend? We never know what God is doing behind the scenes. But we've got to be a people of great credential. We do right because our character says we do right. Because you know what Jehoshaphat had to understand? Yeah, the Egyptians may be watching me. Yeah, the other Hebrews may be watching me. But God is watching me. God is watching me. And I have to do what's right no matter who's watching. Then we've got to have courage to defy the odds. And lastly, we've got to have confidence in God's plan. You know, even when you don't see it working, God's working. Here's the challenge, and I'm closing. The challenge is, is that you and I have to make difficult decisions, oftentimes in the middle of our lives, and they're painful, they're hard. These decisions change the course of futures. These decisions change the stability of relationships. These decisions change all types of things, and we don't know what the outcomes are going to be.
But yet we've got to have enough courage to trust God. No matter what. I want to know this morning, are there any Jehacobeds in this building today who are willing to have the courage to do what's right? For some of you, it's making a choice against some injustice. The world is pulling you and saying, you need to do this and you need to do that. You need to follow the way of the world. You need to do this. But we need the faith of a woman of God. We need the faith of a man of God who will say, no matter what it costs me, I'm not going to sacrifice. I'm not going to sacrifice. Some of you today, some of you today, have callings upon your life to do great things by God and you don't even know them. You don't even know what they are yet. You're still struggling with them. You're still praying about them. You're still trying to find out what they are. But Egypt's calling you. And I want to tell you that if you give yourself to Egypt, you're going to die. But if you're willing to trust God, moms, some of you in this room, this is trusting God with your children. Putting your children in the hands of God and say, I'm not going to give my child to the world. I'm going to give them to Jesus. I'm going to trust God in the process, and I'm going to see what happens. For some of you, it's that. For some of you, it's your dream. It's your calling. It's your purpose in life. Not willing to compromise to the decrees of Egypt but yet to say no. Even if I don't know what this will look like, I'm going to trust the hand of God. Everybody stand with me.